Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Hey, friends, and welcome to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivey podcast. I'm your host, Jamie, and I'm so glad you're here. Each week on this show, I invite a friend to join me, and we chat about the big things in life, the little things in life, and everything in between. Hey friends, and welcome to the happy hour. Happy Friday. I'm so excited that it's Friday. Every Friday means football around here and football over the weekend, and I just love it so much. You guys, my guest for today is a Texas guy as well. He's from San Antonio, which is right down the road from me. It is Max Lucado. He's been a pastor there for many, many years, a best-selling author with more than 145 million products in print. I'm not even kidding. You heard me right. 145 million products. His latest book is You Were Made for This Moment, Courage for Today and Hope for Tomorrow. Guys, I want to let you know that when I sat down to interview Max Lucado, I didn't know much about Max. I mean, of course, I knew who Max was, and I'm very well aware of his notoriety and the things he's done with book writing and his church that he's been pastoring for decades. But I never met Max, and so I didn't have this expectation for what I was going to get. And I'm here to tell you that Max was one of the kindest men I've ever met. You're going to hear at the beginning of the show, he's practically interviewing me. I'm like, is this my show or your show, Max? Because he just cared about me as a person. I am now a huge fan of Max Lucado, and I think you're going to see why in this conversation. Guys, before we jump into this conversation, I want to remind you that my book, God Made You to Be You, is still available for pre-order wherever you get books. In fact, we're less than a month out from release. And pre-orders, I've told you this a thousand times before, but it does help for me to explain it, is pre-orders just help the author out so much. They help retailers know if they should stock this book or not. So when you guys pre-order, it says, hey, you should carry this book. And then it's really great for me as an author. So God Made You to Be You is a board book for kids ages two to six that I am so stinking proud of, maybe the most proud of anything in my life because I believe in the message so much for our little ones. This book was actually born from a story from the book I released last October called UBU that is for obviously grown women and men too. And this concept of this cactus named Sammy, who I just love so much, that book became alive in my head as I was even finishing up edits for the last book. And so it's really exciting for me to see this come out into the world. The illustrations are amazing. And every kid that we have shown it to has absolutely absolutely loved it. So you can get it wherever books are sold. All right, friends, here's my conversation with my new friend, Max Lucado. Uh, Max Lucado, welcome to the happy hour. Am I the honored guest? I am so thrilled. What a treat to see you and all the best. Hello to Austin from San Antonio. Just right down the road. It's so happy. Right down the road. I was telling you before that this is a joy because I interviewed your daughter, Andrea, in 2017, which, you know, now that we've been living these past 18 months, feels like a couple of lifetimes ago. Doesn't it though? Yeah. But she came to my house when I interviewed her and it was such a joy. And she called me en route to your house. So excited and no small uh, bit of nervousness, to, you know, <laughs> but she she really thinks highly of you and loves Aww. loves the podcast. That was a really great interview. You know, it's funny because I've interviewed hundreds of people. And I still remember a conversation that her and I had about technology and social media and a way a rhythm that she was working in at that particular time. Isn't that funny that all the people I've interviewed, I remember a conversation I had with your daughter. That's that is. I wonder how many interviews you ever tallied up the number of interviews you've had. 
I've done a lot. I mean, I've, we've, we're on like, you know, episode four, you know, 30 almost. And so that's just here. And then I have another podcast and, you know. How'd you get into this? I love it. Well, it's funny because I was going to tell you when your daughter Andrea came, I was kind of in this transition between I had done interviews in this little closet in our house and I was in the midst of having a tiny house built on my property. So yeah. she came to my house. And the reason it's so memorable is because we sat at my dining room table and halfway through my dog started barking so much. <laughs> I had to remove them. And I was so embarrassed that I had a guest in my house that I was interviewing and it went the exact opposite of how I planned it to go. Yeah. But I started this in 2014 and, you know, we're just up the road from each other. I'm an Austin, you're in San Antonio. And in 2011, a long time ago, there was a contest, Max, you're not going to believe this. There was a contest here in Austin, Texas, where anyone could audition to be a radio host on an already current thriving country radio station. And I had never done anything like I do now. And I sent in an audition tape In long story. I ended up winning and I found myself going from stay at home mom to four kids to on air at 6 a.m. on a country radio station. And that You're lasted kidding. a couple of months and I loved it. But it's what kind of introduced me to this medium of conversations. And so here I am all these years later. My goodness. And so that was 2011. That was 2011. When was your very first podcast and what made you decide to take up the podcast medium. So a couple of months after I quit and it's a long story, but I quit because I needed to be back home with my kids. We were just in a transitions period, but I yearned for it because I fell in love with it. And my husband, I prayed about me going back and it just never worked out. But about a year later, someone interviewed me for their podcast. I have no idea what we talked about, but I remember getting done with that podcast interview. And I said, I think I could do that job. And yeah. so, you know, I mean, this was 2014 podcasts weren't like they are now. Yeah. And yeah. so I just literally got my little headphones that came with my phone, you know, and talked to my best girlfriend since ninth grade. And I was like, hey, I'm gonna start a podcast. Can I record it? That was May of 2014. And here we are talking to Max Lucado now. Yeah, we have, well, let's hope that your guest levels improve <laughs> as the years continue. So you were in the front kind of cutting edge of podcasts. Yes. I mean, I always want to honor the people who have been here for a really long time. But in a lot of aspects, yeah, I was one of the early people doing it. And I think that's been one of my greatest strengths because I've gotten to grow along with it. Mm -hmm. So I love this so much. But you say, so when did people who've been at it a really long time, you have been at this a really long time. I mean, how long do you have to be at this <laughs> right. to, to be longer than you? I don't know. Maybe when I get to guess 500, I don't know who that should be, but maybe I'll get to 500 and be like, okay, I'm in it. I am a grandmother in the podcasting space. Well, well done. Well, well you do thank a, you. You do a masterful job. You're absolutely comfortable. Mm. You're a delight to talk to, and you're just touching lives all over the world. You're so very kind, and I am so happy that I got to meet Andrea's father now after spending time with her a couple of years ago. Can I share a really quick radio story? I would okay, love so to So I was it. a communications major in college, and I grew up in a small West Texas town. I was a jerk. You had never wanted your child to go out with the college version of Max. I okay. Okay. I was a six pack of night kind of guy. I was really a bum, but I did get a summer. I did get a Christmas break job at a country Western radio station. Now, well, I'm going to say something that's going to really convince you how old the guy is you're talking to. <laughs> okay. In those days, 
there was headsets like you and I are wearing, but there was a cable that connected it to the board. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so I'm doing my deal. I think I'm pretty classy. It's a small West Texas radio station playing country music. And I've got the afternoon gig for about three weeks and I'm kind of picking it up. Well, one day I had a cup of coffee like I have right now. I had a cup of coffee in a styrofoam cup and that wire is kind of floating around and it knocks the coffee over oh, no. onto all my notes. And I let out a string of obscenities, <laughs> Jamie, uh-huh. that I just, looking back, I can't believe. I mean, it was terrible. Yeah. It was, I was live. It was, <gasps> the song had just finished. Oh, no. And I mean, I let loose a bunch of stuff that, <laughs> and my mom, God bless her, of course, she was, was listening. listening. Of course she was. She was, she was so proud of her son. Oh, bless her heart. So when you talk about getting a shot at country Western radio, (laughs) there went my career. That was your career. I lasted three weeks. (laughs) Well, you know, I want to ask you a question. Speaking of like careers, you're very well known for the books that you've written and the work that you've done in your space, but you've also been pastoring a church for a really long time. How did you get into being a pastor? I know you know that world well with your husband and Mm -hmm. that world, and it's a real calling. I mean, you really have to, it has to be a calling. But I did mention I was a bum in college, (laughs) but I had some good friends in those good friends led me to Christ and they were all wanting to be missionaries. Okay. And so I desperately needed to change peer groups. And so I started <laughs> buddying around with these guys. Yeah. Next thing I knew I was taking uh, Bible courses. I went to Abilene Christian University. Maybe you've heard of it, a little yes. small West Texas town. Uh-huh. And they were all going to be missionaries. And I said, well, I want to be a missionary too then. And next thing I knew, I was going to seminary. I stayed on after my undergraduate work, stayed on, ended up in Brazil as a missionary. My thinking, though, all along, Jamie, was that after a few years in Brazil, I'll come back. And I didn't know what I wanted to do. I I honestly had no clue, but I thought I'll come back and and begin a career. I saw it as kind of a short-term thing. But in the process of getting a seminary degree, learning to preach, albeit in Portuguese, and then planting, uh, being a part of a church plant, I really fell in love with church work. Mm. And so at the age of 33, my father passed away when I was 32. At the age of 33, I felt like it was time to leave Brazil and come back home or come back to the state of Texas. My mom was still living and Mm. I found this church in San Antonio somewhat, you know, a smaller church. And they were willing to take a chance on a guy who had never pastored before. But we hit it off. And that's how I ended up here. It's been a joy. It really is amazing. So how many years have you been pastoring your church? I came here in 1988. Okay. And so where are we now? Yeah. A long time. A long time. That's right. I'm kind of like Moses. We're (laughs) stuck out here in the wilderness and they can't get rid of me. (laughs) <laughs> to be honest, I'm not senior pastor anymore. Mm-hmm. That changed about three years ago, but I still preach 20 times a year. Love I'm still that. involved in some leadership issues, but not many. We've mm-hmm. got a great, really bright, I call him younger. You uh-huh. know, he's 42, Yeah, but he's going to do a great job. And I'm going to stay around as long as it helps make sense yeah. for me to help with the preaching. I love that. Well, you have a book that's releasing this month in September. You were made for this moment, courage for today and hope for tomorrow. And, you know, Max, I don't 
I don't really know the particulars of when this book came to you, but it feels to me like, like it is coming to the people, you know, here in our churches and people that you minister to, not just in the States all over, in a time where hope and courage feel hard. They feel difficult to grasp a hold of. It feels scary. We've just walked through and we're continuing to walk through with the middle of, you know, COVID and racial injustice last year and vaccines and earthquakes and, and countries being taken over. So I want to know where did this come up for you? Because it feels like it's a really good yeah. time for us to read it right now. It does. It really does. February of 2020, mm -hmm. most of us remember kind of where we were when mm -hmm. we began seeing the pandemic happen. I was scheduled to begin a sermon series at the church on stewardship. Everybody's favorite topic, right? right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I was happy to do it. Every so often you need to do it. Mm -hmm. Well, I was supposed to begin it, the series in the spring, about February of 2020, I thought that's a tone deaf sermon series. I mean, nobody's going to be wanting to talk about generosity yeah. or managing your money or tithing or savings. Yeah, that's a topic for another day. And so I thought, I bet Esther would fit here. Mm -hmm. I've always loved the story of Esther. Have you? Yes. In fact, I always say when my kids used to watch all the VeggieTale movies, yeah. Esther was my favorite VeggieTales movie that they ever put out. It's so funny. Yeah. Well, I don't think I ever saw the VeggieTales Oh, you have version. got to go watch it, Max. I'm serious, especially after writing this book. I think you'll really love it. I thought I'd seen everything there was. <laughs> yeah. So in case your listeners don't know much about Esther, here it is. It's just a little nine-chapter nugget tucked away in the Old Testament. It takes place in the 5th century B.C. Persia. The children of Israel have been dispersed all over the world. Jerusalem has been overtaken. There is no temple. The children of Israel are foreigners. They were first in Babylonia, and now there many of them have made their way into Persia. So we're three generations removed from that collapse. Uh, there is no temple. There are no priests. There are no sacrifices. And so that makes this story really unique because this story is a story of people who feel like they're undergoing a global crisis. Mm. And if that's not bad enough, then the heart of the story is this evil despot, this Hitler version, mm -hmm. Hitlerist man decides he's going to kill all the Jews. So it becomes a global calamity. Mm. So I found that to be really relevant, yeah. you know, for our day, mm -hmm. because we're all struggling. How do you live faith in a world that seems to have no faith? How do you live, fix your eyes on the unseen mm -hmm. when everything in society says, just look at the scene. And then you've got this global calamity. In our case, it's a pandemic, plus the things that you mentioned, mm -hmm. plus our personal issues. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so this little story of Esther, I felt really came to life and I dug into it and I preached it through with our church in the beginning, uh, really the first six months or so of the pandemic. Mm -hmm. And it really, it seemed to resonate. And so we turned it into a book. And to be honest, Jamie, I kind of thought, well, too bad this didn't release during the pandemic. And here we are. <laughs> and here we are still yeah. in the pandemic. Yes. So, yes. you know, there'll always be situations mm -hmm. like this, but yeah. it is a... It is a very relevant story for our day. You know, I have read, you know, Esther a million times, you know, I've been following Jesus for 20 something years. And as I was reading your book, so many things came alive to me. First of all, the idea of how large that kingdom was 
where have I missed that in all of my readings of this book of how massive <laughs> the kingdom huge, was? It's, it was huge and how oppressed the Jewish people were. You talk a lot, you kind of relate this, you have this metaphor of winter and spring that you bring up in the book often. And the season that Esther was in was felt like a winter season. Mm-hmm. And we kind of feel like that as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we talk about seasons, we like spring is coming, you know, summer will be here. What is that encouragement to us, even within our faith to know, man, Winter seasons sometimes last longer than we want them to last. Sometimes we see frost for days after we thought we saw spring. What is your encouragement to us as believers living a winter season right now? Well, of course, we know what's going on in the world. Depression is at an all-time high. Mm -hmm. Treatments for anxiety are just spiking off the roof. And I believe the most tragic statistic in the world right now is that Mm -hmm. the suicide rate is the highest it's been since World War II. And so there is just a sense of despair. Mm-hmm. It's despair. Yeah. I don't know if the world can go through PTSD, but it, it feels like we're all yeah. battling a sense of trauma. Mm-hmm. And we manifest our pain differently, obviously. Some people lash out, and we see that on social media. We see that in politics. We point fingers. We politicize everything. I think if you know, we could politicize the color of a shirt. If right. We, if we it. wanted I mean, just, to, yeah. We're so tribal. But I think it comes from being hurt. Mm-hmm. I really do. I think we're afraid. I think we're upset. And so it, it's a winter. It's a cold. It's, a, it's winter fell. Mm-hmm. This came to me. You know, we've got a winter over us. So the big story of Esther, as well as, by the way, the story of Daniel, the story of Joseph, the story of Jesus, the story of Mary, (laughs) the story of the Bible Mm -hmm. is that, yes, life sucks. Mm -hmm. Life stinks. It really does get hard. Mm -hmm. It just, it is so heartbreaking. But you know what? We got to hang on. We got to hang on. Mm -hmm. And right now we're on an uphill into the wind ride. And yet we got to keep pedaling. Mm -hmm. So I just find myself begging people, don't give up. Don't give up. I'm not saying we're going to be out of this tomorrow. I don't know when we are, and I don't know exactly how we will be, but I really, to the core of my being, believe that books like this in the Bible are there to help us to not throw in the towel. Mm. Esther did not. She didn't do great at first. Mordecai did not. He was not much to speak of at first. You know, these are real people, and they, they didn't live out their faith at first. But eventually Mm -hmm. they had kind of a wake up call and it turned things around. Yeah. You know, when I was reading your book and even just thinking through Mordecai and Esther and their relationship and the way, I mean, we speak about Esther, we're like, man, she was there for such a time as this. She stood up and she saved her people. But you just said like that didn't come, you know, without a potential cost. And it didn't come for her with a lot of probably anguish and lost sleeping nights of sleep. And then Mordecai, you know, had his own mourning and grief and encouraging her that. How do you relate that to even us today as believers in the world that we live in of like, you know, you say that this is your moment. You were made to stand up like Mordecai, to speak up like Esther. And I hear that and I think, yes. I can do this. I have heroes in the faith that I've seen before that. But how does that translate from, you know, Persia to here we are today, you know, in 2021, North America, for sure. Sometimes we hear the phrase, stand up for your faith, and we equate that to be obstinate Mm. or to be arrogant or to be irritable. Or if I can even say this, to wrap an American flag around the cross Mm. and become some blend of spiritual and patriotic that Mm. the Bible never calls for. 
I was playing golf on Saturday, just three or four days ago. First time I've gotten to play in a while, number one, because of the Texas heat, Mm -hmm. but number two, because of COVID. And then number three, because I celebrated 40 years of marriage and we got away on a tree on a great vacation. I usually play a week once a week. I don't know why I went down that rabbit trail, but I was having a visit with a guy who knows I'm a pastor and he is just philosophically and spiritually everything I'm not, but he's a great guy and I love to play with him. So he said to me on Saturday, Jamie, he said, I like hanging out with you, but you know, old so-and-so. And he told me a guy, actually, I don't know him. Mm-hmm. And he said, he put fish symbols all over his golf cart. <laughs> and he said, isn't that some kind of Christian thing? And I said, yeah, <laughs> he said, but when he plays, he's no different than I am. Mm. He cusses, he throws his clubs, he gets mad, he cheats. And he said, what's going on here? So, Jamie, when we say that, let's take a stand for our faith. Mm-hmm. I think some people think, okay, I'll go put fish symbols all over my golf cart. <laughs> you know, that's easy. Right. That's easy. Yeah. Taking a stand for your faith, I think, means loving people who are hard to love, mm-hmm. forgiving people who are hard to forgive, stepping in to the gap when you can feed the poor, when you can adopt the child, when you can love the unlovable. And that's taking a stand for your faith mm-hmm. right there. And so that's what I encourage. That's what I would encourage people to do. I mean, it's, if it came down to just sticking fish symbols on a golf cart, that's pretty simple. I wish it was that easy. Don't we wish it was that easy? <laughs> <laughs> I'd have the T-shirt and the necklace and the hair tie you got and it, all baby. the things, all the things. You got it. Well, now, sometimes that's the worst thing to do. Yeah. You know, sometimes that's the worst thing to do. Don't tell anybody this, <laughs> but I've got an idea for a book that I've had in the back of my mind for a long time. And that is in celebration of the quiet Christian, mm. because I think there's something about that person whose personality is so winsome that you kind of think there's, it makes you think, does this person know something I don't, mm. or I've got a friend who's a doctor mm-hmm. and a mutual friend said to me about him, you're something different about him. I bet he's one of those like you are, isn't mm. he? And I thought, what a high compliment. There it is. I hope people watch the way I live and think there's just something different mm. about that person. Now, if we could get a nation full, of, uh, if we could get a tribe full of those. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Watch out. Here we come, watch world. You, you know, Celebration it. of the Quiet Christian. You heard it first here, people. That's all I got to say. <laughs> Max Lucado. I don't have the book. I've just got the title. <laughs> That's going to be his 58th book that he puts out for us. If you don't know it, guys, I'm a Texas girl through and through. I've lived here most of my life. I was born here and I love traveling. Here's why I love traveling throughout Texas, because it has a vast landscape of cultures, regions, destinations, and activities, which means there's an infinite number of different travel experiences. And no two travelers are exactly alike. And it means that no two trips should be either. If you're a beach person, well, you can have fun under the sun with Texas's 350 miles of coastline. If you're more of a rugged vacation type, there are campgrounds, hiking trails, and state parks galore. And foodies cannot get enough of Texas's world-famous barbecue and Tex-Mex. Enjoy live music, visit internationally recognized art museums, and check out thrilling cowboy experiences. And now, Travel Texas offers a one-of-a-kind online trip builder that allows users to generate a custom, visually-led trip matched to their unique interests. Guys, come visit my state. Visit TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn to get the only trip to Texas that matters. Yours. That's TravelTexas.com slash GetYourOwn. 
Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus is central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. You know, it makes me think, Max, I love that thought. And there is this contrast because we live in this, you know, this high tech internet world where we think we can have access to anyone as as much as we want. And we also have a lot of Christians, you and I included, we do public ministry. So it's, this is not a bad thing, but I feel like there's this tug in my spirit sometimes about the Christians that are online And that would be you and I as well. You do stuff online. I do stuff online. Nothing wrong with that. But then there's this contrast in my spirit that's like, I do want to be that quiet Christian. Like, I want to just like, I don't want the t-shirt. I want people to know me by my my love and my kindness and my mercy. And so I think my question is not for you and I, even though we have to struggle through this on our own levels of figuring this out, but for the people who are looking towards leadership, this could be a personal thing I'm struggling with right now. It's like, man, I want people to follow leaders within their church that nobody else knows their name. I want that quiet Christian pastor who is just leading his flock. And so what's your encouragement to even people who are looking around going, who is a Christian that I can follow? How do you help people not tie themselves to the Max Lucado public figure and more the like Max Lucado playing golf where a friend says there's something different about you? Does that make sense what I'm asking? And I don't mean, I'm sorry to put you in this situation. I don't mean you or me. I just mean we live in this world with this celebrity Christian culture. There it is. Yeah, there it is. is. Yeah, and a lot of discussion, at least I'm hearing these days, about the consequence of what occurred in in my generation. Mm -hmm. I'm 66, by the way. I assume you're 29, 30. I'll I'll take that. Yes, we'll go with that. I'm 43. (laughs) (laughs) You know, when I got into ministry back years and years ago, the biggest church in town, even in large towns, was six or 700, maybe a thousand. There were those rare occasions where you had Robert Shuler out on the West Coast, you know, doing his thing. But most of us were raised, and I say us, I'm talking about people in our 50s and 60s, mm-hmm. a mega church in those days, what would be considered a medium or a smaller size church today. Right. So the phenomena of my generation is the mega church, the Rick Warrens, mm-hmm. you know, Bill Hybels, these huge 10 to 15,000 member churches. Yeah. I think they have done an amazing work. I think they've touch people that never would have been touched any other time. I think they have been a safe place for people to hear the risky message. So Mm. I think God has blessed them. I think the consequence of that has been this idea of of celebrities, Mm. of really elevating inordinately and in an unhealthy way, the pastor or pastors to almost an untouchable Teflon uh, status. 
and and that's just not good. It's just it's just not good. And the consequence of that has been some of the difficulties that we're living out today. Mm-hmm. I don't know if I'm even answering your question. You are. If I'm just following a little rabbit trail that my mind took me down. Yeah, no, you are. And I think I'm bringing in some of my personal things that I'm even walking through in my own life of figuring out what does that look like? Because I think it's really important for us to kind of talk through that and see what that looks like. You know, one of the things you touch on here in your book also is this aspect of prayer. And, you know, it's a spiritual discipline that if you've been a Christian for more than 35 seconds, you have probably prayed, you know, and it is one that takes discipline and it takes um, intentionality. And we see that through your book, you talk about it, but can you touch on and just say like how valuable it is and how often we don't value the idea of the accessibility that we have to go to God, our father in the midst of a pandemic and injustice in our country and the scary things that we're living in this winter moment that we're all kind of trying to see when is spring on the horizon. Yeah. The example that both Mordecai and Esther give us is one of repentance and prayer. Mm -hmm. When the Holocaust is declared, Mordecai discloses his identity as a Jewish man, and he begins to uh, wail and cry and repent and wear sackcloth and ashes. Esther gets wind of her uh, either uncle or cousin Mordecai doing this thing out in the streets, and she basically gets word to him, says, hey, you're about to blow our cover. Don't do this any longer. And that's when he gives her that famous statement, relief will come. Who knows but that you are placed in the kingdom for such a time as this. And then She responds with what I think is a really profound but often overlooked part of the story. She responds with three days of fasting and prayer. Mm. Now, in the VeggieTales version (laughs) and in the Hollywood version, you know, the big moment in the story of Esther is when she is – so she must have been a knock-dead beauty. And when she appeared in front of the king uninvited at great personal risk because he could kill her if Mm. he – You talk about misogyny, right? Mm -hmm. She appeared with no invitation. I think that the real dramatic turning point is not Esther in her beauty. It's really Esther on her face. Mm -hmm. It's when she's praying for three days and calling on people to pray with her. And she models the power of asking God before you go before the king of Persia, you go before the king of kings. Mm -hmm. My kind of my short summary on prayer is that all of us think we should pray more than we do, but all of us really pray more than we think Mm. because our heavenly father loves us, Jamie. He loves us and he knows what's on our hearts. And and, And the promise of the Holy Spirit is that the spirit himself will take even our groans, our sighs that you have as a mom and you you send your kids off to school and you're worried, you're wondering, that's a prayer that's mm. registered. The Holy Spirit takes that and turns that into language worthy of being heard by our heavenly father. And so I like to encourage people because I've never met anybody who says, yeah, I pray as much as I want to. I, I when you said that, I was like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone say that. <laughs> prayer, that. I'm amazing. Check. <laughs> yeah, I got that one down. Yeah. I got that one down. Every single person would say, you know, I give myself wow. a C minus in prayer. The only people that wouldn't would be the ones Jesus criticized in the <laughs> right, sermon on the right. mount who stand on the street corner. So be kind to yourself. You mm-hmm. pray more than you think, but pursue prayer. Anytime we have a struggle, we can either choose despair or prayer. So choose mm-hmm. wisely. 
Mm, You know, the story of Esther ends with this call to remember, and we do that a lot in our faith. And so why do you think that is such a great part of the story as well? Oh, I love that part of the story. The Feast of Purim. I don't want to give away all the details because I'm thinking there might be some of your listeners who can't recall the drama of Esther, and they're wanting me to tell them what happened. (laughs) I I don't want to do it because I want you to read it for yourself. Right. But there are some turnaround moments that will cause you to fall out of your chair. I mean, it is a flip on its head kind of story. And at the end, what Jamie's referring to is at the very end, both the queen and Mordecai, who not only are still standing, but now they're in charge of the very country that set out to destroy them. So they declare that from now on, the children of Israel will celebrate the deliverance of the children of Israel in a feast called Purim, P-U-R-I-M, still celebrated annually to this day. And it's a great feast. The Jewish people that participate in it reenact the story. And every time Mordecai appears, they applaud. Every time Haman appears, they boo. And that's a controversial instruction in the Jewish history where people are told to drink so much wine that they can't tell Mordecai from Haman. I don't recommend (laughs) that for the church. (laughs) I don't recommend that for the church. Right. But I do recommend the remembering, Mm. the remembering. That's what that's all about. And that's what we need. In order to move forward, we Mm. do have to look back. We have to look back. And as Christians, we remember, yes, the great moments of the Older Testament, but we celebrate, we really participate in the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. Our Purim is communion. Our Purim is when we take the bread, we take the cup, and we allow ourselves to experience the mystery of that moment, uh, believing that we as Christians have actually participated, that when Jesus died, we died, Mm -hmm. that when he rose, we rose, and that now we are him on this earth. And so we continue to celebrate that. I love that. Well, I don't think that you're going to see this VeggieTale version anytime soon, Max. And so I'm going to give away a part of it. You know, in the real story, Haman is killed, right? Right. Okay. So I think that was a little too graphic for the children. <laughs> and so Phil Vischer and his in his brain, this is maybe my favorite part. Haman was sent to the island of perpetual tickling. That was his punishment. <laughs> Oh my goodness. That's how they brought the story down for children is to say he was sent to the island of perpetual tickling. He probably deserved that. He deserved that. And I'm just dying here. I mean, my my oldest is 17. And the fact that I remember so much about this VeggieTales movie is so funny. It must have been on repeat. It must have been on repeat. It must have been on repeat. Your book, You Were Made for This Moment, is just God's kindness to give this to us and as a group of Christians that are going to read your words because I read it and I finished the last page today. And I just thought, when I remember the story of Esther, I remember, God, you are trustworthy. Like you are trustworthy when I can't see through the darkness. Like you are trustworthy when it feels like I don't know how this is all going to end up. And I think that's a really important hope for people right now. And so thank you so much for these words. Well, it's my honor. It's my honor. I'm just an old converted drunk. And so somebody can can, uh, be blessed. I'm sincere that it would have been enough just for God to save me, but that he's allowed through his kindness to use me as one of the great surprises and that some wife would put up with me for 40 years. There it is. There's the miracle of my life. Listen, congratulations on that 40 years. What is your secret? Mary? Well, (laughs) (laughs) propose when she's not thinking. Oh, Max. (laughs) Congratulations on that for real. 
Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire. Walmart Plus members save on meeting up with friends. Save on having them over for dinner with free delivery with no hidden fees or markups. That's groceries plus napkins plus that vegetable chopper to make things a bit easier. Plus, members save on gas to go meet them in their neck of the woods. Plus, when you're ready for the ultimate sign of friendship, start a show together with your included Paramount Plus subscription. Walmart Plus members save on this plus so much more. Start a 30-day free trial at walmartplus.com. Paramount Plus, a central plan only. Separate registration required. See Walmart Plus terms and conditions. I would love to hear from you as a, you know, an avid author and a preacher. What are you reading these days? Like what is capturing your attention with books? Well, whenever I'm working on a sermon series, I like to read everything that anybody else has ever written about mm-hmm. that particular topic. And so right now I have a, a pretty sizable stack of books about the life of Jacob. Because this fall at our church in San Antonio, I'm going to preach a series. For us, a series is about 12 weeks of sermons uh, called Faith with a Limp. Faith with a Limp. And and we're going to look at the life of Jacob. He was such a scoundrel, such Mm a rascal. And so that's what I'm reading now. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Well, Max, it's an honor to have you on the happy hour. Now we've got a father-daughter duo. You guys got to go back and listen to his daughter, Andrea, who was here in 2017. Max, thanks for coming on the happy hour. It's my honor. You are the best, Jamie. I can see why you're closing in on 500 broadcasts. You're so kind. And I'm going to have to drive down to San Antonio sometime and come visit you guys at your church. Give me a heads up first so I can, you know, buy you a cup of coffee or something. Would love it. Would love it. Thank you, Max. All right, you guys, did you love it? I knew that you would love it. I loved talking to Max Locator so much, and I need to take him up on just driving down to San Antonio some Sunday and coming to his church. I really loved it when he said, taking a stand for our faith is loving people who are hard to love, forgiving people who are hard to forgive. It's really that simple, you guys. It doesn't mean it's easy, but Max's book and his encouragement for us in this moment is so important. You guys, as always, we're putting parts of the interview up on YouTube. If you go to jamieivy.com slash YouTube, you can find those parts of the interview that we have with all of our guests. And you can even find some of the Jamie Ivy show, which we put up last spring that has some great conversations as well. Thanks so much for listening to the Happy Hour with Jamie Ivy podcast. We are truly grateful for every single story that we get to share with you, every encouragement we get to bring to you, and every opportunity we get to point us all to Jesus. If you're loving this show, we would appreciate it if you would leave us a rating and or review wherever you listen to podcasts. Also, tell your friends. That is actually the number one way that people find out about our show because you tell them. Join us right here every Wednesday and Friday for meaningful conversations that make us think, make us laugh, and point us to Jesus. Also, come find me on other places around the internet as well. I love Instagram. I'm at Jamie Ivy, And we've been having some fun posting videos on YouTube as well. Sometimes do you wish you could see the person I'm interviewing? Well, come over and find us there and you can. jamieivy.com slash YouTube. The Happy Hour is produced by Lindsay Sweeney. Show notes are written by Abigail Castell. Graphics by Rachel Ray. The show is edited by the team at Podshaper. And I'm your host, Jamie. And I love every single week that I get to be here with you guys. Until next time, have a happy hour with a friend.
Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at DiscountTire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.